Welcome to Slayer Fest 98. I'm Ian Carlos Crawford. And I'm Ian Martin. And today we're joined by writer and comics reviewer for Publishers Weekly. D.W. McKinney. Hello. Hey. Hello. And writer-director known for Queer as Folk, Little America, and Closet Monster. Stephen Dunn. Hi. Hey. Um, I'm so glad to have all of you here. Um, I was just telling Stephen and D.W., this is Ian's first time co-hosting, like co-hosting, co-hosting, not just one of our Angel episodes with all the co-hosts. Um, and I'm, Ian, I I feel like I sent you so many texts being like, I want you to do this episode. I want you to do this episode. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> with me, that's kind of what it takes sometimes. So, <laughs> um, yeah, with some of the some of the co-hosts, I know that like they're OK with me nudging them 10 times. So I like yeah. will do it. Um, but uh, yeah, I feel like, Ian, you are like. You always, I, I feel like my Buffy stuff is like, I cried, I was happy, I liked Buffy's hair, and you have, like, very good, like, stuff. You always, like, you're the watcher, you know all the shit. So I'm so happy to have you co-hosting for this. Well, um, I'm not sure that's justified, but I appreciate it, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, Steven and DW, both of you are people that have been on my spreadsheet for a while to have on, so I'm happy to have you both on for this pivotal episode we are here to talk for the 25th anniversary of it surprise and innocence a two-parter that the names you wouldn't know but they are it is a two-parter um and i just kind of smushed them together because i do feel like any and i feel like you'll probably agree right it's kind of like that is one story right it is kind of harder to separate the two i I think they have dramatically different flavors but that they're definitely one story yeah, like the story, I don't know like what you would wrap up with a story at the end of surprise. But yeah, they definitely are different. Um, but before we get into the episode, DW, would you like to start us off with your Buffy origin story? Of course. Um, I grew up with Buffy. Um, mm. I watched the original movie with Christy Swanson when it came out. I think it came out when I was seven, but I watched it when I was eight. <laughs> and um, I was just like, it really honed into something in my brain. Like I love supernatural stuff. And at the time I was reading, I had like a magazine subscription to some place that sent me books on ghosts, vampires, werewolves, all the spooky <laughs> stuff. And so when I heard that there was going to be a TV show, I was like, sign me up. I'm there. Like, <laughs> I, I'm going to watch every single episode. And so I watched the first episode when it came out when I was 12. Oh, and nice. that, wow. the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you did watch it from the first episode. Um, also, now I'm trying to do the math. I'm like, God, how much older than you am I? <laughs> We're about the same. I'm, I turn 38 soon. So Okay, so about the same. Um, yeah. And DW, I, I, I cannot not mention, you and I both had the pleasure of being quoted in Evan Ross Katz's Buffy book alongside Sarah Michelle Geller. I know. <laughs> I feel so special. <laughs> I I seriously wept when I saw that like there's she it's her Cynthia fucking Arrivo and then me all quoted in like the same page and I was like oh my god like I'm legit look at wow. these people I'm quoted with. Um, <laughs> yeah, I took so many pictures when I got my book. I was like, this is me. I'm here. I'm oh the same. <laughs> so my editor for the podcast, Ashley, she went to an event, uh, buffering. They had an event at the like Sunnydale high school, which was so cool. Um, and Evan, di- I think Evan was like there or they had like advanced copies for sale and she got it. And she was like, don't worry. I looked in the index. You were not cut out of the book and like sent me a picture. And I was like, ah! cause that was my big worry. I was like, 
I'm not famous. I'll be kind of like, they don't need to include me in this book. Like Samuel Geller is quoted for the book. What the fuck could I bring? Um, but then I was not cut out, which was very nice. That's, that's cool. Cause I didn't get any confirmation. Like we did our email and then Evan disappeared and I was like, yeah. okay, uh, did I make it or not? And so I ran to Barnes and Noble as soon as it came out. And I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's funny is I was working at Barnes and Noble then. And my boss, because of course I couldn't shut up. Like I didn't realize it had come out yet. And one of my managers was like, oh, you probably know where this is. Someone's looking for this Buffy book by someone named Evan Ross Katz. And I was like, excuse me, we have it. And she was like, <laughs> yeah, why? It came in the other day. And I was like, oh my God, pick one up for me. It's in this section. Like I'm in that book. <laughs> and so my boss made me put like a little, like little display at customer service being like one of our booksellers is quoted in this book alongside Sam Richard Geller and Stacey Abrams. Um, and I was like, never not flexing about it. Oh my gosh. But most customers did not give a shit. (laughs) (laughs) Like if a customer was looking at the book, I'd be like, ah, I'm quoted in that book. And they'd be like, all right. I'm like, yeah, okay. Keep it moving. (laughs) Fucking great. (laughs) Um, Steven, what is your Buffy origin? Well, also like, um, like you, I started watching it when I was a kid. I was a big fencer as a kid. And when I, one day I came home <clears throat> and I'm from a small island, Newfoundland, off the coast of Canada. And it started airing. Um, it was actually the only place you could watch it in Canada on this small little Atlantic Canadian uh, television channel. And I, the very first episode I saw was what's I, I like remember it vividly. It was uh, what's my line part. I think part one. When oh. uh, is that the one where Cordelia like? Uh, opens the door to the bug guy. Uh, is that yeah. one or part one yeah, or two? That's yeah, that's one. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I saw that. It was like mid-episode. I turned it on. I was like, what the hell is this? Who are these beautiful <laughs> women in these clothes? I need to watch. And then uh, I got instantly obsessed with it. Came, I guess I kind of came in mid-season. And then at the um, after the holidays, my fencing class got moved to so that it was like at the exact same time as Buffy and that was the very last time I took a fencing class because I literally quit <laughs> my hobby to watch the show. Buffy <laughs> slayed your fencing classes. That's <laughs> amazing. I was like, I'm just gonna watch Buffy do it, you know <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> That's funny. Um Ian, do I know this? Did you watch it live? I can't remember. Uh, no, I, even though I was the same age, I like Buffy and I graduated the same year. Um, okay. I had a friend who watched it and who was campaigning to get me to watch it as well. And I think there was occasionally an episode on in the background, but I had all the dumb young guy complaints like yeah. hey, Buffy, the vampire slayer and, and <laughs> all of that. Uh, it took early thirties, uh, depression. And Oh, that's on Netflix. Okay. Before mm. I decided to, uh, yeah. really dive in. And then it, here we are. That's, I think that's how a couple of the, the angel co-hosts have gotten into Buffy at the very least. I know Jason and Kim because, uh, they were friends with me and I kind of bullied them into watching it on Netflix. Um, but yeah, so, um, these episodes, I really love these two episodes. Um, I decided not to split them up cause I do feel like it is one story. Uh, but Ian, you did say something uh, that I thought was pretty smart. You said they are a different flavor, right? The two episodes. Yeah, I um, I was gonna look up. I I, I know for certain that Innocence is uh, r- has the is written and directed by Whedon. Um, yeah, but I think that uh, Surprise 
ha- is written by Marty Noxon yeah. and uh, is directed by someone else. And, um, you know, <clears throat> as the showrunner, I mean, one of the jokes on the, uh, or one of the mentions on the, the uh, commentary track is how, you know, one of the things that he was allowed to do was to sort of budget for uh, the episodes and some episodes got, uh, nothing and other episodes got rocket launchers <laughs> and I think that you can and rain and rain <laughs> yeah. It, yeah I think you can really feel um, the investment on top of uh, the difference in writing I mean you know Marty is ostensibly fulfilling on someone else's vision and innocence is Whedon uh, fulfilling on his own yeah. So I, I do think that there's a, a qualitative difference between the two of them, even though they're, um, you know, two parts of the same story. But we'll get into it. <laughs> um, yes, I, I do think that's accurate. I For me, I was like, eh, let me just smush them together because they are like telling one story. I yeah. feel like these are like the villain intro to Angelus. This is like our villain intro to him. For sure. So, uh, Stephen, you are a TV writer. Mm-hmm. guilty what like what is different for you watching when you watch it live as like opposed to watching it now um watching it live i mean i was so young so my perspective is skewed but um there was really nothing like this anywhere yeah. and i actually was i was the only person i knew besides my uh dad who actually watched it so i felt like i was watching something in a compl- in like a total bubble. It wasn't until I like left Newfoundland and like found Evan Ross cats that I was like, Oh my God, there's other like people <laughs> and other gay people who, uh, who love this show. And so now like looking back on it, uh, rewatching it, it's just like, it's, uh, it's so fun because they're now even still to this day, I would say there's not really a lot of shows have tried to copy Buffy and don't really understand that like delicate line between camp and horror and how the, and there's a, there's a specific reference. I think, I think it's actually an innocence. I'm not going to jump ahead that I really feel like sums up the tone of the show. It's like at the beginning of, uh, of innocence that where um, it, it is such a, there's such camp moments. uh, I I, I won't spoil it, but it really. Spoil, spoil. It's like when, like when Angel sucks um, the blood (laughs) out of this woman and like who's smoking a cigarette and like blows out her smoke. Like it doesn't make any sense. No, it is high camp. It is my, it is my favorite moment. I think in these episodes, like like, it would, and it doesn't make any sense because literally there's a plot point in prophecy girl where angel can't give CPR to Buffy (laughs) resuscitator. And then like, he's like, turns into Angelus and suddenly he's sucking on this woman. Like it is a jewel. Like it's, it's hilarious, but that's the magic of the show. It's, it can balance this, this kind of comedy in camp, but have it like really in kind of a terrifying, like serious scene. And there really isn't anything I can point to that has really hit that, mark maybe like wandavision or something like that but like it is it is a really delicate balance and i think a lot of people have tried to copy it and still after like 25 years now no one has quite done it i think quite as specifically um as this yeah there's a uh in the the in innocence at the end the there is a painful fight going on 
you mm-hmm. can't do it. You can't kill me. You know what was the worst part? Pretending that I loved you. Cut mm-hmm. to Oz. Uh, arm yeah. pointing at the floor. <laughs> yeah. The ability to juxtapose humor and drama so successfully without one undercutting the other yes. is one of the magic, magical mm-hmm. aspects of the show. Yeah. Yeah. No, I... I fully agree with that. Um, DW, what was your, did you feel different watching it for this as you did when you've watched it before? No, not really. <laughs> no, not really. I, when I remember when I watched this um, as a teen, cause I was 13 when this <laughs> episode came out mm. and just like feeling all of Buffy's like angst and heartbreak and her emotion and watching it again, I was like, Oh, I still feel that. Um, mm-hmm. But also like with my grown up eyes now being able to identify like, more of the camp and the stuff that I love and more of the horror notes um, and just being able to see the beats of like, Oh, here's the buildup of this is going to change this like narrative switch. Um, Something I noticed is like in these two episodes, there's a lot of like pivots with the characters and changing direction and relationship changes. Um, But I, I mean, I still had the same feelings of like wonder and just being like swept up in the humor and yeah. Nothing changed. I, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm same with me. I'm like, it, th- these two, I remember I had them on VHS. These were part of like the the small VHS box sets that they had put out. Oh, and God, I remember yeah. like, yeah, I would, they're also the only VHS I still have in my possession. Like I still yeah, have those. Because the cases <laughs> are cool, right? And, like, they're really cool. cool. Yeah. But uh, so I, I can remember watching it was like Buffy with the bazooka yes. and then everyone at graduation day were what I watched like over and like, I would just go mm-hmm. to those moments to watch them. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. They're just like teen me felt there was nothing more empowering than her fucking saying that was then this is now. And yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my God. But I, I don't think there were shows that were quite as big as that. Like, obviously, they they blew their budget in this, these right. episodes, but I don't remember like seeing, I didn't remember seeing a lot of that kind of stuff on tv back then like it was you know on that quite that scope it was so fun yeah no um i fully agree and uh ian i'm wondering you know you've gone over buffy i mean kind of like i have a thousand times Mm -hmm. what like is there anything you feel differently about it these episodes Uh, no i mean i i'm i'm kind of in a different uh but i am not a fan of camp um the uh the first season of the show because of that was a mighty struggle for me. Um, <laughs> I, I got, uh, the, I got into the show cause I went and saw Avengers with a friend and I was so oh, surprised right, yeah. by the writing. The writing, it was loaded with set you up for one thing and then deliver something else. And the classic one is, um, uh, Loki yelling at, uh, Hulk. I'm a God, you dull creature. And then Hulk whipping him across the floor, like a toy um, <laughs> that there was something about the writing and Avengers that I wanted to pursue. And that is loaded in Buffy. I mean, yeah. pulling out the, mm-hmm. the rocket launcher. I mean, <clears throat> you know, uh, say what we will about the person in general. I think that uh, Whedon's writing gets sort of uh, oversimplified as quippy. Yeah. And uh, but then you, I'm I'm currently playing um, Marvel Midnight Suns, and it's been uh, criticized for the quippy, quote unquote, Whedon-like dialogue. But there is just something different between 
things where I mean, like the the current Marvel movies where it's joke, 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 and they don't allow for the drama. I think that surprise and innocence uh, shows that there is something uh, uh, different about this writing. Um, but be, and it's that that precious balance. The thing that the reason I stuck with the show is because of um, Buffy's scene in the library in Prophecy Girl. Uh, mm. Giles, I'm 16 oh, God, years yeah. old. I don't. Yeah. Wanna, I don't want to die. Started to show me the promise of what this material could be. Mm-hmm. And then surprise and innocence for me was the hook point because the whole idea of taking the romantic, you know, ooey gooey teenage dying star <laughs> implosion romance and turning him into the bad guy, the big bad of the season was kind of profound for me with, when it came mm-hmm. to fiction, you know, the, the willingness to do that, to risk that, um, with your audience who were so invested in the romance, um, I thought was uh, a real stunner. So it, it was surprise and innocence for me where I was like, okay, I'm in. I'm in That's completely. Me. You know, yeah. until then I was like, ah, all right, I, I'm starting to enjoy this. I'm starting to enjoy the chemistry <laughs> of the characters. And, and uh, you know, oh my God, that librarian's hot. But then once <laughs> yeah. you get to, to surprise and innocence, um, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm in. And then uh, becoming one and two, I was like, this is probably one of my favorite shows of all time. I knew so, it. So Okay, season. Ian, I'm glad that you kind of got to what I was going to get at, because I know everyone always like cites becoming as like, oh, shit, the show really upped the ante. But I think Prophecy Girl is the first one that did it. Mm-hmm. And then I think this two-parter really, like for me, this two-parter like skyrocketed the like stakes mm-hmm. and like showing us what the show would become because prior to this, I do think it was a little bit more on the camp, which I'm still okay with. Like I would have been okay if I probably still would have loved the show, just not as much if it was more the like one-off episodes we got at the first half of season two, Like I still would have loved it, but I don't know that I would have loved it the way I do. Yeah. My love for the first uh, season and the early stuff has, uh, or rather my appreciation for it has developed from writing about it. Um, you know, uh, the, the, everyone says, uh, you know, the, the, the common call is turn your brain off. You know, you're not supposed to criticize transformers, <laughs> you know, but I love the opposite of that, which is when you really engage with something and it opens up and the, and the, the themes and the metaphors sort of spill out. Um, yeah. that has been my access to, uh, the earlier stuff. Yeah. And I, I definitely think I appreciate the more just because I love the characters so much. So it's like, I'll, I would watch an episode that's like them just hanging out and yeah. like nothing happens. Yeah. Uh, but so we get a lot about dreams in this two-parter. Um, the dreams actually are something that I like. I kind of wish they had like consistently kept that as like a always happening when something yeah. big is going to happen. She has a weird, right? Okay. DW, mm-hmm. speak on the dream. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the, when I was rewatching this, the first thing I thought was what the heck happened to her dreams? Because right. it mm-hmm. felt like it was a huge thing. Like she's a slayer and she has these powers and, oh, you can have prophetic dreams. And it just kind of like went the wayside, I think in later seasons. Um, so it was good to see this, even though they were like kind of discounting it a little bit, but I'm yeah. glad to see like how much of an asset it was. Um, and like the revelations, like with Jenny and I was like, oh my gosh, uh, <laughs> that scene is wild. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I'm glad that they brought, like, we got to see this again. 
Yeah. Um, I also feel like the dreams, uh, I also uh, had this exact same feeling like, wow, these dreams were so um, integral to the earlier parts of the show. But it's almost like when Angel left the, sh- the series and Buffy quit the council, the dreams sort of like stop. It's mm-hmm. I-, I almost felt like there was this shift in the show where Buffy sort of gets control of her powers and she's no longer sort of like a vessel just like receiving these dreams and these premonitions or whatever. It felt like the there's something very innocent about even just like seeing her in her her satin or like silk pajamas, like tossing and turning and whatever. Like it's it's a very it's a very juvenile sort of depiction of her. And once she leaves high school and once she leaves Angel, um, she doesn't really have any of that same kind of vulnerability and I felt like there was some sort of connection there for me about her like growth. Well, it's possible. It's possible. The writing team wrote restless, the dream episode (laughs) and then thought, "Eh, we're we're done. done. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we've officially spent. Uh, And the other thing too, is I wonder if, um, once they started doing the, the visions from angel, if maybe they felt like there was, um, Mm -hmm. flavor wise, too much of an overlap between the Mm -hmm. two of them. Mm-hmm. I can see that. I really like what Steven was saying um, because I was thinking back to like that scene in the library when they're doing the research and Buffy's asleep on the book and she does this like kind of like body movement of like tucking herself into the book and it just felt very childlike. And then you see mm-hmm. um, Giles and Angel looking looking on her, looking at her, and it just felt very paternal the way that they like care for her and see her and then later on like that kind of paternalism isn't really needed because she is able to take care of herself and she's like fully adult fully in her skin yeah that's that's really you know and also it's like not great thinking that angel does kind of look at her in a paternal way yes (laughs) (laughs) you think too much about that it's like oh not great um but so okay we get buffy's worried that angel and like buffy's so dramatically worried about Angel that sometimes it almost feels like too overdramatic, but then it's also yes. like, oh, she's 16. And like, she's just worried about like, yes, I don't know. It like, it tracks, right? It makes sense. It it does. I forget that when I was watching this, yeah. I was like, oh, I love the way, like the soft way that they speak to each other. And at the end I was like, oh girl, stand up. Cause this is just, it's too much. It's too much. Like the way she's like, you were going to go away. And I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. please don't speak like that. <laughs> yeah, yes. They could have caught that line. <laughs> um, so, and then I like totally forgot that they just think Drusilla and Spike are dead because of what's my line part two. Cause when she was like, she was saying she's afraid Drusilla's alive and Angel's like, no, she's not, she's dead. But if she are alive, <laughs> she is alive. We'll deal. And it's like, well, <laughs> let me tell you what tomorrow's gonna bring but i like forgot that they that like it's like the they just think they're dead which is yeah. so silly because they just and like oh fall into something <laughs> yeah that's the weakest part of the season i love this season i will say it's like definitely one of my favorites and i also love love drusilla and spike and, yeah. and what they what they bring to the show 
But the plot lines of them being like weakened and like Drusilla yeah. starts the season and she's weak. And then like they swap and now Spike isn't suddenly in a wheelchair, not healing like a normal <laughs> vampire from from like an organ just toppling on him. And it just like it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but <laughs> You know, whatever. I guess they have we, to do something. <laughs> we we forgive because we love it so much. But <laughs> yeah, it's funny because in the "What's My Line" recording, we were actually talking a lot about that. How it like makes no sense that it's like Drusilla's what? Like what is it that's wrong with her? And then yeah. Spike is in a wheelchair the rest of the season. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, one of the no- more notorious uh, parts of the season is that. Uh, uh, or at least within the fan lore, I suppose, is that um, Spike was supposed to die. Yeah. Uh, he was supposed yeah. to be written off the show uh, in What's My Line, but was such a fan favorite that um, they kept him on, but didn't really have a plan for him mm-hmm. uh, over the course of uh, the remaining arc, which definitely shows. But it's interesting to think about the remainder of the season uh, just being Angel and Drusilla. And... Other than the finale, which I love, uh, there are a number of ways which, in which that feels a little stronger to me. Um, you mean you know, just without Spike? Without Spike. Just yeah. Angel and Drusilla. Drusilla's character gets a little more uh, exploration. The mm-hmm. disgusting backstory of the two of them and what yeah. Angel did getting explored. Mm-hmm. And... Fewer wheelchair jokes, which yeah. good gravy yeah. have yeah. aged yeah. terribly. Yeah. Um, you know, boy, do they uh, angel is supposed angelus is supposed to be this, you know, a big intelligent height of evil vampires and him making terrible wheelchair jokes uh for the rest of the season just makes him look real stupid to me, let alone the, mm-hmm. the discomfort that goes along with it in the right. aging department. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it just, it like, I, there's something about it that like, doesn't, I, this sounds stupid to say in a vampire show, but it doesn't feel like authentic that he's in a wheel. Like it doesn't really feel like no. yes, he's hurt. Right. Like, what, like, like what happened? They don't explain anything. Like yeah. what happened to Drusilla? What happened is it just, and there's like a, a burn mark on his. It just yes. Just, yeah, Darla and Drew lazy. are fully immolated by Angel <laughs> in Angel season two. Uh, they are giant towers of flame uh, in that season. And the next episode, they've yeah, got fine. some band aids in their yeah. couch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this made me think a lot about what the supposed vampire lore is, because even mm-hmm. when um, when Buffy's talking to Angel about like if they're still alive, she says we didn't find a body, and it's like, of course you wouldn't find a body because she's a vampire and right. she's right. scared to death. <laughs> so it's like then you have Spike in the wheelchair, and you're like, when is the when is the fast healing happening here? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it also made me wonder if this was like an attempt to kind of weaken the character of Spike because he was supposed to be written off. If like you put him in a wheelchair and he doesn't have powers and they do all the like impotent jokes and all that stuff. If Mm -hmm. it was a way to kind of like take away some of that charm and like, I don't know, like affinity that the audience had for Spike didn't work. It's also kind of rehashing what they did with the master. Like the master can't leave his, uh, his lair under the, you know, until prophecy girl It's kind of, I felt like it was kind of a lazy way of like holding back the big bads yeah. potential, you know? Yeah. But it, did, it didn't that. work, but I love them. <laughs> so I forgive <laughs> it. 
<laughs> um, I, I did actually I had to, I was rewatching the show uh introducing my partner to it and he was like wait so what's wrong with with Trusilla and like what's up with Spike <laughs> these questions and I found myself having to like tr- trying to explain it before I, I realized oh right like this doesn't make any sense <laughs> like I saw it suddenly saw it through his eyes and I was like mortified <laughs> wait was it was it watching it for this that was the first time your partner had seen it or no 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 we, oh, okay. we, we rewatched it like uh, a year ago. Okay. So I was going to say, isn't <laughs> there's an episode of Queer's Folk literally named Walked Up to the Hellmouth, correct? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I there's want you to know, Stephen. When that dropped, I had so many people being like, oh my God, did you know there's an episode named Welcome to the Hellmouth of the Queerest Folk? Like, so many people DM me to tell me. Um, it was very cute. Uh, um, whenever there's like a Buffy thing, I will get like tagged and DM'd a lot, and it makes me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. But uh, so, yeah, we get Willow and Buffy kind of discuss like Angel. Um, and I do like that they kind of make fun of. Like, Willow's like, you really said you liked seeing him at bedtime? Like, that's a lot. And they're, like, almost joking about the dramatics. And I kind of like that. And then I do like when she's, like, talking about Oz. And he is like, my boy, please, my boyfriend had a bicentennial. Because Willow's like, Mm -hmm. he's a senior. (laughs) Which, like true. (laughs) I'm glad they pointed that out because that was one of the things that really made me not ship uh, Buffy and Angel in the beginning. It's just like, Mm. this dude is like 100 years old and he's creepy and he's like lurking around the school. And But I mean, I I like how they play it for laughs here is like, you don't need to worry about your potential 16, 17 year old boyfriend. Like, you know, this guy's, he's a a grandpa basically. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I feel like I don't know. My brain, when it's like vampires, I can, I'm like, uh, I don't know. Vampires are weird. They kind of like, they kind of age, but kind of not. And right. Once it's like a fantasy character, I'm allowed to, I'm like, I allow my brain to like, just like suspend my disbelief, but I do fully understand not being able to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Cause I read from one of my book clubs, I was reading a YA book with a, a vampire, like human romance. And the one person in book club kept being like, but the vampire is so much older than this teenager. I was like, I know, but like, I love Buffy and I can't, I really can't talk shit if I'm going to say I love Buffy and like Angel's also a lot older. So (laughs) I I think that the show tries to keep itself safe from certain criticisms uh, in that way. Like, Oh, it's fantasy. Oh, it's fantasy. But every once in a while, because of the material that they grapple with, they sort of don't get to use that shield. Yeah, Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, And it's one of the ambitions of the show to really dig in and and sort of use the fantasy lore to examine something that's real to an adolescent, which is the allegory of the entire thing. But um, the one that comes to mind is that I I now kind of despise is the Lolita reference uh, Mm -hmm. from Becoming Part One when Angel sees Buffy for the first time at her old school, and she is very deliberately dolled out to look like uh, a young girl and she has a sucker and all of that. And later we hear that angel fell in love with her at first sight in that particular scene. Mm-hmm. And then you have the Lolita reference in it that is uh, stirring the pot and making things even more gross and weird. Um, yeah. I go back and forth uh, with the angel one. The spike one to me feels uh, a lot. I don't know if cleaner is the right word for right. anything that happens between Buffy and spike, but you know what I mean? Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so then we get uh, Willow and Oz's kind of like first big 
she goes to ask him out, right? Um, or goes to at least talk to him. And I do oh God, think this scene is so good. Right. I was just about to say, I think I don't always I think Oz and Willow kind of do have the chemistry of a closeted queer person and like a really good friend that she they love but platonically. But ah, they're very good together. And Oz, it is wild that Seth Green is playing so against how he actually is, because he's like And so well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. I don't know that a lot of people would like name Seth Green as having great range, but I feel like Oz is a very good example of his range because he's mm-hmm. in person, very silly, very loud, very ridiculous. But like Oz is still the cool guy I would crush on. Like, yes, very mm-hmm. much so. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like his charm is there right away. I think his like quiet, calm, cool charm is there the moment we see Oz. And like, you know, he's even playing a fucking guitar because of course he is. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I will like, say, though, I found this scene hard to um, uh, I, I, these couple of scenes hard to focus on because of Willow's uh, blossom hat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she wears a couple of them early on. I feel like she's still even wearing them in season four, if I'm correct. Right, Ian? Doesn't she wear some then? Yeah, but this one's the, like a purple Muppet that's trying to swallow her head. <laughs> I don't even remember those hats actually ever being in style. I just remember them being on Buffy a lot. <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned that hat because like just before Buffy says like, you can't wait for Xander to wake up and smell the hottie. And I remember like a laser focusing on her outfit. And I was like, uh-huh. Yeah, it's there. Just, you know. <laughs> 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 on, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so I, I love that. Like, he's like, I'm going to ask you on a date. And she's like, and I'm going to say yes. And then she's like, oh, I can. I have Buffy's birthday. And he doesn't really get upset. He's just like, oh, I like your, you're unpredictable. I like that. Um, which makes me like him even more. Like, you know, and what's in the end of, next episode he's like i don't want to kiss you because i know you're doing it to make my oh, friend, your friend God. jealous That's but i will wait right it's he's yeah. very good and so he good. also it's funny because they're so different but like tara does make sense as the next like love of her life mm-hmm. after like both of them are very like calm and cool yes even though tara has like her like anxious stutter where she does get anxiety over things but like when it comes to willow she's very like the cool collected one right Yes. Yeah. They're they're incredibly good foils for the particular place that Willow's at in her life mm-hmm. as she gains confidence. When she is is lacking in confidence, she has rock uh, rock Oz <laughs> as the steady uh, rock in her life, and sort of as she grows into the magical power and and confidence with uh, her identity in that way, um, Willow becomes or. or um, Tara becomes more of a stabilizing influence later on. I think they both work really well for the periods. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think one of the appeals um, of Oz is that he's kind of like the antithesis of like what teenage boys are supposed to be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's like not super loud. and He's not Xander, basically. He's not Xander. He has emotional depth and he's caring and he's like not, you know, his emotional swings aren't like, they're not all over the place. And so he just kind of draws you in. And yeah, I think about that scene in the van where it's like the emotional intelligence for that is just like yes. wild to me. He yes. has a number of those. Uh, the other one that 
uh, I can think of. Uh, my uh, partner Lonnie and I are doing a rewatch right now. We both are have been doing this for years, but never have watched Buffy and Angel together. So it's been a lot of fun. But uh, the scene that comes to mind is after Lover's Walk when Xander and Willow are caught cheating. Mm-hmm. Um, him, uh, Willow chasing him in the hallway and, and him uh, having to tell her, you know, I've told you what I want. I want space. And uh, because oh, you yeah. can't give me that, I can't help thinking that all you want to do is feel better about yourself. Mm-hmm. That's not my problem, he says, and walks mm-hmm. away. And that uh, he gets oh, those good. wonderful emotional beats, uh, that, that emotional maturity that you're talking about, that I think do a great job of sort of masking his exit, which I also think is uh, really well grounded in his character. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the the bit in the the van in Innocence has to be one of my favorites in the yes. series. Yes, yeah. and I'm kissing you. You're kissing back. It's okay, yeah. I can wait. Mm-hmm. And also, not even emotional maturity. I would say like the only other man that would ever on this show that ever exhibited that kind of maturity would be like Giles. Like, and right. that's it. Like, end of list. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I do think that's another reason why, again, Oz is my forever Buffy crush. Like everyone can argue about Spike and Angel all they want. But for me, I'm like, yeah, but Oz is the guy that I would want to date in real life. Like if these were all people that I was like, if I was also in high school with these, I mean, with these people, I would have had the crush on Oz. Like he would have been also love Like (laughs) I always say my taste is a guy who looked like, who looks like he could have been in a pop punk band in high school, but like, isn't anymore. (laughs) 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 Um, And that's kind of Oz. So we move on, we get like more of Xander and Cordelia. I do like, she has a very good line here that I like where she's like, Groping, I wrote this down. Groping in a broom closet isn't dating. You you can't don't call it a date until the guy spends money. I'm like, oh, words <laughs> of wisdom from Cordelia Chase. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I like that he's like, he's just like, well, we're dating, and she's like, no, we're not. Like, and she's right. They've only like made out a few times, like when they were in danger. The thing I do like about their dynamic is that it does feel very high school, right? They're they're not well matched for each other. They're not like. They don't feel like this forever love. It just feels like two horny teenagers who think the other one is hot, right? right? And that's fine. That's a thing that I will always defend in shows, which is why in season seven, I ended up defending Kennedy so much because I'm like, there is nothing wrong with like fucking a hot person at the end of the world that like you happen to be stuck with. It doesn't have to be, we're getting married. This is our forever, right? Like, I mean, Kennedy's hot. And when it comes down to it, Kennedy's hot and she's a slayer. I'm sure she's like, very good in bed to Willow. And so like, get it, go ahead. Like nothing wrong with it. (laughs) This moment with um, Xander and Cordelia was one of the moments where I did have a split between like my younger self watching this and my now self Um, is because I remember watching it as a kid and being like, Oh, Cordelia is just so superficial. She's focusing on money, yada, yada, yada. And now that I'm like seeing all my friends going to the dating scene and I'm like, Oh yeah, you, you got to spend some money. Like in you. Right. I mean, Cordelia, I, I loved her when I watched it, but I didn't love her as much as I love her now. Like as an yeah, adult. Same yes. here. Yeah. It's yes. like, she's just very aware of everything. Right. And she's mm-hmm. like, yeah, this is what it is. And she's not, I don't know. She's not, there are times when she's written a little cruel. There are times. Um, right. But for the most part, she's kind of just like, this is like, 
you know, in um, our What's My Line recording, the guest pointed out Cordelia doesn't even need to be helping them technically. Like she's not, no, she's like choosing to go help them. Yes. Yeah. You know? And like yeah. that kind of shows like she's choosing to do it. Cause she knows like, okay, they're like in the end, these are like the quote unquote good guys. Sure. Yeah. I had that realization watching it. Um, when I was watching surprise, I was like, you know what? Cordy doesn't have to be there, but she's there. She's at the birthday party. She's yeah. like, you know, she has her little back and forth with Buffy, but she's still supporting her. Like she's doing the research work. She, and it's all of her own volition. Like she yeah. enjoys being with him. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, she's choosing to do it. Willow and Xander are like her other best friends. So they have, they, they kind of feel like they have to, and they're like in on the identity, but like Cordelia really doesn't have to be there. Right. Um, so yeah, it does say something about her. You know, she chooses. Uh, we see moving. From, I'm going to move us along on this one. We <laughs> we see Drew gets a package. We learn it's her birthday. We see Joyce drop the dish the way she did in <laughs> Buffy's dream. It makes Buffy freak out. We see Jenny's uncle has come to town. We oh yes, I love him, Vincent <laughs> Scavelli. Oh my god, he's so good. The subway ghost from Ghost. Yes. 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 He. I, I said that when we, so for the Patreon, we did a um, a little watch along of this episode. And I said, he's one of those actors that I feel like, especially at this era was like in everything. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. 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 Or like amazing. he would, he would pop up all randomly. Um, So we kind of learn here what we don't fully learn, but we like, they talk around like, Oh, the, we need to watch angel. You were sent here. Cause he, you know, because of our family. Um, and I do think Miss Calendar's like Robia, uh, is it Morta? Robia Lamorte or Lamorte? Some, yes, something like something that. Something like that. I, I think know. she's doing like good acting in these episodes. Um, oh, she's so good. I, I'm I, sorry, I have to stop right now to say, I think Jenny Calendar is my favorite supporting character in the show. Oh, I, okay love Jenny Calendar. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because like, so J- Rabia, Rabia, however you pronounce her name, was like, uh, she was like a backup dancer for Prince yes. and then like yes. dated him and stuff. Oh, wow. And like, yeah, like she has like an amazing like history, but I, maybe I love her so much because when I was a kid, I was obsessed with Buffy merch mm. and I was like on eBay constantly. And I found uh, Rabia was selling a jacket that she wore as Jenny calendar in the show. And, uh, and it was like going for some obscenely high amount. And I just like messaged the seller. Cause that was something that you could do. And I just like started being like, I love you so much. I was probably like nine years old or something like that. <laughs> and I was like, I'm such a big fan. And she like carried on this like lovely conversation with this oh nine year old version of me. So she holds a, holds a special <laughs> place in my heart. i kind of love that um (laughs) i because i have heard that the reason she didn't come back Uh ever Uh was because she got like super conservative and if you look at her imdb she's in like the kevin sorbo oh boy yeah Oh, oh it's your flicks. Wow, you're, you're, you're crushing my like childhood dreams. I'm sorry, Steven. <laughs> oh, I, no. I wanted to say it before I I felt like if the episode came out and if the people heard that there would be like 25 people tweeting at us to tell me that. I'm glad you let me know. Story. Thank you. Thank you for sparing um, my DMs. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but I do think she's good in these episodes and like for yes. a side character 
Like I always forget in season one, she's only in two episodes. She's not like in my brain. Mm-hmm. Once she's there, she's there in all of them. Mm-hmm. But she's not. Um, and so I do think she, and she fits in well. I do think her and Giles have good chemistry too. Um, and something, I guess we'll talk about this. This is an overall thing. And Ian, I'm curious if you agree with me. I feel like Miss Calendar gets unfairly shit on because like she didn't fully know what she was going into when she got there. And like, she didn't know about like, if he fucked Buffy, he would lose his son. Like she didn't know that. Well, <sighs> and then she dies. I mean, it's like they all hate her and then she dies. I mean, there's a big, there's a big knot to untangle um, here that has to do with a lot of that, which is that, and forgive me to anyone who this hurts. <laughs> the curse is really, really stupid. <laughs> I had the same note. Oh my god! I mean, I really <laughs> stupid. Uh, I, I, there, I, in the video that I did for this episode, there's a whole bit uh, about well, you know, well, let's say Angel likes uh, uh, football, and he wanders into a. a, 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 a European football and he wanders into a bar and oh my god Ireland's playing England and Ireland wins oh my god and Angel's <laughs> lost his soul you know Angel's suddenly soulless like the whole idea of I, I think that I think that the, the curse is something that exists because they wrote themselves into a corner and so had to write their way out of it and as far as, and I'm sure that happens, like the the right. the ebb and flow of a 22 episode season, you know, it right, is what yeah. it is, right? And I think in as far as doing that and getting out of a a, a corner with uh, the curse, I think it's an awesome job. But the 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 line "It is not justice we serve; it is vengeance" is m- sounds more cool than it is good. <laughs> uh you know the it, it is just so weirdly thought out and when uh jen's like unless she kills him uncle this is this is insanity <laughs> yeah 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 it is didn't you read the fine print you know it's so uh, it, in terms of the jenny question it's not just jenny like the whole <laughs> the the curse at the the center of it is the problem because it's really stupid. Um, and, you know, the, the, then there's the idea of recursing him. Then there's the idea of, well, can you just restore the souls of all vampires? Then? <laughs> Is that the, the thing? <laughs> Except they can never be happy. <laughs> yeah. So the, the curse kind of is what it is it's a it's a source for some drama that i treasure and yes. love and that to yeah. me makes makes it somewhat forgivable um and then there, you know you sort of tweeter on the edge of uh the soul canon problems that dw uh i, I think you you mentioned like how does the soul work <laughs> this episode <laughs> the 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 thing in surprise that I really struggle with is the judge. The early seasons of the show sort of ha- have that constant, like, uh, you know, uh, I know what to do. Uh, the order of Taraka. Don't you yeah. think that's a little uh, overkill? <laughs> I think it's just enough kill. And then they die immediately. Right. And so this episode is not really about the judge. It's about Buffy and Angel and Angel's mm-hmm. turn and all of that. And that's all lovely. But the background to it is another one of these like, oh, the judge can't be killed by anything yeah, except a rocket launcher, which is wonderful. And I like it. But he has that power of smelling humanity in right uh, people 
and he can smell that in Drusilla. <laughs> you two have love uh, and affection for each other, but there's not an angel, so he's a pure uh, vampire, and then that becomes meaningless later on. And is the completely soul, meaningless? <laughs> yeah, and is the soul the conscience? And is that what uh, what it is, or is it seed of identity and a vampire and a uh, souled vampire, two completely different people? Because if they are, that breaks the entire theme of Angel. Because why does Angel need to redeem himself for the actions of Angelus and yada yada yada? So there's a whole can of worms. I'm sorry for the rant. I'm stopping now. There's a whole can of worms uh, tied into these two episodes that I just kind of like, okay, that, it's there. And then I just weep when Buffy's in bed with the clock ring. And I just get it. You know, I'm here for the pain. I mentioned I w- I'm not here for the camp. I'm here for the pain. It, it hurt me good. And uh, then I'll, I'll, I'll forgive whatever you want. You know, so I, I, I don't know if Ian, I think you know this. My mom is the one that got me into Buffy. Like she watched it and I walked in on her watching Becoming Part Two crying as a teen mm-hmm. and was like, oh, wait, this does look good. Um, but so I was talking about it with my mom recently. Uh, she's 76, but she's like, thankfully, like she's very much like, oh, I loved Harry Potter, but I don't support that woman anymore, <laughs> you know? <laughs> And I was telling her how people say, like, you know, there's all those turfs on Twitter that'll be like, ooh, Daniel Radcliffe and Emma Watson, like, they owe it to J.K. Rowling, and they're being disrespectful. And I was telling my mom how people, like, say that stupid shit. And my mom was like, they don't owe her anything. She owes them. They made her more money. So, like, they they Mm could have cast actors that wouldn't have made her more money, and the series would have tanked. And my mom said that she applies that to Buffy, too, because, like, you know, I I don't think I've seen people say this, but, like, you know, there were some weird people defending him. And she was like, you know, if Joss Whedon didn't have good actors, that show would have been terrible. Right. And I was like, you're right, oh my God, because yeah. especially in these early seasons. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, like, you know, the, a villain being called the master is something I would have written as a 12-year-old in a comic book. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, but it works because the actors are all great. The dialogue is very, like tight um but yeah especially in these early seasons a lot of like you said ian it's like oh the order of Taraka's coming they've never been defeated they are killed so easily it's um, so exhausting a lot of that the three <laughs> you know the three are in one scene and then uh uh darla stabs them uh, right. there are so many and i'm not just talking about single episode threats i'm talking yeah. about quarter episode threats that are called <laughs> in for you know, the the roadie from Metallica in What's My Line uh, as one of the assassins, like the bug guy. What does he do? Turns into bugs. Very still bugs. Wait, Ian, so that episode just dropped today and we talked a lot about like, what the fuck is he supposed to do other than be gross? <laughs> like when he quote unquote attacks them, he explodes into bugs. And yeah, it's gross. I would never want them on me, but like. <laughs> now what now like <laughs> yeah and the third one is just a woman uh, with a gun pretending yeah. to be, to be a <laughs> you know uh, it's, it, it's so uh some of it is so miss but i yeah. mean to their credit i think that other than anthony stewart had the acting in the early seasons wasn't awesome um and then everyone kind of got good together the writers directors actors everyone kind of came along um to the point, I mean, Allison Hannigan could always break me in half with a look. Yeah. Uh, but mm-hmm. Sarah Michelle Geller got wonderful. Uh, the scene in Prophecy Girl uh, just uh, takes me down every single time. But yeah, maybe the acting carried a lot of this stuff early on. 
I felt some of that acting weakness and surprise where it felt like the lines were delivered and then there was a lot of gappiness in between like the action and reaction. And yeah, I think you can see some of that here. Yeah. 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 It's still growing. It's still, um, the, this episode, these, this two, these two episodes share a lot in common with, uh, becoming part one and two Yeah, and becoming part one and two is gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, and there's beautiful symmetry between the episodes. And a uh, coat that looks great. <laughs> oh, yeah, I yeah. mean, just Darla and Darla telling Angel, close your eyes to yeah. mirroring Buffy telling him at the end Ugh. so that there's actual uh, pain for Angel and for Buffy. And like, it is, mm-hmm. uh, it is the show coming together in, in its state of perfection. And we're not quite there yet with surprise and innocence it mm-hmm. is it is still kind of you still have the growing pains of the the early seasons but it is um there's a lot here there's a right. lot here. and so i'm going to speed us through the rest of this one so we get they're planning buffy's birthday buffy doesn't want them to plan her birthday they're still gonna do it the outside the bronze buffy encounters the vampires they're collecting or bringing one of the pieces of the judge Ian. Also, also, did they just rent out the bronze yes. for like eight people to have a birthday? <laughs> like, what, what is going on here? <laughs> yeah. So I also have a bronze question that I was wondering if Ian could answer. I I never thought about it till this viewing for this recording, but like, what the fuck is it that Buffy crash? Like, she crashes through a black pane of glass that's on yeah. the stage. <laughs> Like what? <laughs> yeah, that's the pane of glass that was behind Luke. The uh, yes, yes, in, yes. in the the second episode. Um, the harvest. Welcome, uh, harvest. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. yeah, she throws the thing, but isn't about nine hours, moron, and then stakes him. Um, but in terms of how that fight, the blocking for that fight moved from the street inside right? to behind the thing, I have no idea. <laughs> no. <laughs> But it is a cool visual. It looks cool with the black <laughs> glass like crashing through. Um, I love Cordelia still yelling surprise. Oh, um, so good. So good. And I I even like seeing Oz's reaction. He's like, uh, did anyone see that guy <laughs> turn to dust? Um, yes. Yeah, Marty's episodes can be a little hit or miss for me. Um yeah. but boy does she know Oz's voice. Yeah. Um her her writing she gets wild at heart phases uh a bunch of the the big oz heavy hitters beauty and the beasts and um while i'm i don't love those episodes whenever oz is on screen mm-hmm. um i'm captivated the combination of marty's writing for oz and seth green is is wonderful i i would actually i would say that marty and i think Jana spenson write him best yeah but yeah so we get then they're like oh we gotta go they do their drama uh, Miss Calendar tries to be slick and is like, oh, Angel should take it. He can go away for a long time and then never come back. Um, and- By the way, that was also the one time she performed her duty as like the protector of like re- maintaining Angel's soul. Like she's been there for so long and has never <laughs> kept Angel and Buffy apart until right. this moment. So good for her. <laughs> she was like, all right, my uncle's in town. I got to do my job. Fine, 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 fine. <laughs> Who hasn't been there? <laughs> um, so they're like, this is when we expand Sunnydale once more. And they're like, we'll go to the docks. 
which where the fuck are those? Um, yeah. yeah, I have the same thought. <laughs> but like, like, sure, right? It's like, <laughs> all right, I guess. We saw, we saw the, the whole city cave into uh, itself in <laughs> yeah. Chosen. There's not any water to be seen, but There's let's no go to the docks. There's no way there would be docks, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we just accept that. Uh, they have their fight there. They get wet for the first of three times, I think. Is it three mm-hmm. or two? Yeah. Yes, because Angel goes out in the rain later. They go back to the library. They want to, uh, Ian, where where are we now? <laughs> they, I know they reassemble. The team reassembles in the library, right? Yeah, and then it gets kind of blurry. Something, something. She has that dream. Right. Dream, yeah. <laughs> yeah. With, uh, Which I loved. Like, Sorry to like drag, but I ahead. loved that when she's having her dream and she's in this like pearl white satin gown. And it, and then it like totally has a parallel when she, when they switch to the scene of Drusilla in the party and she's wearing like that blood red set. Oh yeah. 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 She looks so good. Yeah. Yeah. The (laughs) foreshadowing drew kills angel in Buffy's dreams repeatedly. And she's wearing the same outfit that Buffy is, is a nice bit of foreshadowing to the Mm -hmm. sex killing quote unquote, uh, angel, uh, in the dreams, which I think is wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I, Again, I uh, use dreams more often. I think, especially in like stuff like this, it it works for me. It just always yeah. does. Um, yeah, we learn that it is also Drusilla's birthday. She's having a party. Um, the judge is her gift. Sp- uh, Buffy and Angel get there. I don't have that in my notes. How do they even? I don't remember why. How they get to? They just there. appear in the rafters. Yes. yes. They literally, no questions asked. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> They get captured, which, but this I can, is fine. I, I love that in early seasons, like something like this, it's like, oh, if this were like season five Buffy, she would have staked every vamp in there and been fine, right? Mm-hmm. Like, wouldn't have been that much of a chore for her. There's no way she would have been captured. But it's like season two Buffy, so um, they get captured. Uh, the judge goes to touch her, but she kicks him. Angel... In the oh, the bringing back the the video tapes that Spike was watching in Halloween on TV, Angel knocks those TVs down to hit the judge and open this ridiculous hole in the floor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How did that work? Those are again? heavy TVs. Those are right. really heavy TVs back then. Okay. And if they like did that much damage, shouldn't the judge have like fallen through the hole or like? Yeah. But whatever. They they escape. They go home, they have sex, and we end this part of the episode on what kicker, DW? Oh, <laughs> I <was like laughs> totally brain farted um, with, with Angel getting his soul back. Yeah, uh, uh, losing his soul, yes. Or sorry, losing his soul, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the next episode we open right on then, and I, I do like... Steven, you mentioned this, and it really is stupid, but I love it. Oh, like, I love it. It's so stupid. It's right? the stupidest moment. <laughs> I, I, yeah, she, yeah, so she bites. She, uh, there's a, a smoking woman. She gets bit. He sucks the smoke from her lungs <laughs> out through her neck in her bloodstream, and uh, it's iconic. And he blows the smoke out, and that's how we know Angel is evil now. I loved it. <laughs> A bit of trivia I really like. I believe that woman is uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar's stunt double. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Wow. yeah. Who was also the stunt double of the Pink Ranger. Oh. Huh. Yeah, same, same stunt double. Um, wait, wait, before we move on, I just wanted to point out that, like, 
I think it's really ridiculous that they're in bed naked. And then in the next scene, he's stumbling <laughs> out of his apartment, fully clothed. Mm. And I just like the idea of him being like in so much pain, but not enough, like not too bad that he could put on his yeah. full outfit yeah. and shoes. Ah, my chest. Ah, where are my pants? Ah. <laughs> my like leather pants. Yeah. <laughs> like, it takes so long to put on. Yeah. You know, it's funny. We So when we were watching this episode uh, over the Patreon Zoom, like someone said that. I don't remember who it was, but someone literally said, how does he get his pants on in time? Isn't he like in pain and just running? Like <laughs> suddenly he's clothed. Um, yeah. So we get Buffy goes back home. She's trying to pretend... She was coming down from her bedroom. She's going up to her bedroom, but Joyce catches her. She pretends she's coming down. I don't love, and this is just, I mean, I feel like a lot of shows do this. I don't love the like, you look different. Oh, you look different. And it's like, give me a fucking break. Like right. she looks stressed because her boyfriend turned evil and, you know, is left her. But like, <sighs> the like constant. So yeah. many people say it. I, stupid, wasn't right? I wasn't sure if it was like a poise-coital, like, you've got that glow about you. Right. You just watched the movie, you know, or what? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I thought that would be a cliche that they would subvert. The whole looking different after sex thing is kind of like, okay, uh, so that's there, and I thought they were going to do something with it, mm-hmm. and then it's just there. Well, Joyce sort of leaves it open because she doesn't finish the sentence. So I, th- mm-hmm. I thought that I also thought that's what they were sort of hinting at as well. But I don't know. But yeah, so then we get the then we go to the library. They're all worried about Buffy not being there. They argue about going to save her where Cordelia once again makes a good point. And she says, what are we going to do aside from get scared and die? And they face <laughs> the judge, which like is true, right? Like Willow doesn't have her magic yet. Uh, Buffy could barely face the judge at that point. Like, what do they think they would be able to do? Um, So then we cut to Spike and Drew, and this is my favorite Drusilla moment in the whole show. I just... Naming stars. Yes, the sing-songy way she delivers all of this. And she's like, I've named them all the same name, and there's terrible confusion. is so good. (laughs) So good, right? She is incredible. She sells this insane role. I I just, like, I love her so much. Yeah, she, she, like, kills it. It's it's funny, I was, uh, one of my friends from high school went to, I forget what acting school in LA, and he was like, Oh, one of my teachers, she was on Buffy. Her name is um, <gasps> Juliet. And I was like, Juliet Landau? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, oh my God, she's so good. Oh, man. <laughs> I also imagine her being a very weird, like, teacher, <laughs> yeah. like acting teacher. <laughs> rough, rough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then enter Angelus. He uh, shows up and he's like, immediately, I think David Boreanaz is having more fun. Like he's mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. he's so clearly, I think yeah. his acting gets better with Angelus. And he like also is allowed to like do more and have fun. I agree. And he's wearing foundation on his lips. <laughs> and somehow <laughs> looks hot. Yes. Angelus is quite a bit paler, apparently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, <laughs> so they get like, you know, Drusilla's excited. Their family's back. The judge says Angelus is clean. Which is wild because earlier he did say Drew and Spike stink of humanity, but like Angelus doesn't. Which right, sure. yeah, it's it's another yeah, yeah. it's bad. Um, and then we get uh, the library scene 
which will condense this as you do, Ian, uh, which I like. We'll condense the whole library, the school scene where Willow walks in on Cordelia and Xander making out in the um. library. She runs away. Xander has to chase her. I don't, I, the, the Xander Willow stuff never landed <laughs> for me, but no. I do think everyone's doing good acting in this scene. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 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 Perfect. Totally. Yeah. Like, Allison Hannigan does very, like, very good cry face and very good upset face. Um, like, the way her voice pitches is very good. Um, and also, even though I'm not wanting them to get together, you do feel bad for Willow, right? Yeah. Yeah. It does, it does have a get me line. Uh, and that is, um, it just means that you'd rather be with someone yes. you hate than be yeah. with me. Yeah. Yeah. It's giving very, like, B story soap opera, but I am here for it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this was the same thing that I remember thinking, like, man, this hallway gets a lot of running. Like, a lot. <laughs> over and over with different characters. <laughs> um, we, they're, they're arguing. He's trying to calm her down. We later cut back to them. Buffy, we got to talk about this first, I guess, because it's kind of how it happens. Buffy goes to, goes home, but then leaves, goes to Angel's apartment, which I did read. They originally, in the script, the the like confrontation she has with Angel was supposed to be at her house. Yeah, but the they last line. minute changed it. And then later, Buffy does even say, I saw him at the house mm-hmm. because yeah. whatever that was in the script. But so mm-hmm. she has this scene with Angel and God damn it, Sam Richard Geller, like, oh. oof. The, so, I will say it for the so trillionth good. time, right? Her acting. Uh, wow. Just perfect. wow. Steven, I, I want to hear your thoughts on her acting since you have been a showrunner and have worked with a lot of great actors. I am floored by her. And honestly, after, you know, childhood me versus adult, like, uh, director me i'm i'm floored by how she strikes this the balance of this performance like not just this but she just she's so committed to this role and all of its absurdity but she is so vulnerable and so and so desperately in love with him and i I, it's 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 painful to watch she's she blows me away every single scene but this is I'm not going to lie. I skipped the scene when it got to it. So I was like, nope, this is going to hurt my feelings too much. (laughs) (laughs) Because like her face, she does. I think Sam Schiller has some of the best face acting um, Mm -hmm. where like she can convey like 800 emotions in like two different looks. Um, Mm -hmm. And when he like, he's just so cruel. And when after he's like been cruel and is leaving and she's crying and says, I love you. It's like, Oh, God. I remember being devastated by this as a team. Absolutely gutted that they finally had their little sexy time moment. And (laughs) then he's just like completely an ass. Like (laughs) it's so hard to watch. There's a wonderful, um, it's mostly in the Tim Minear episodes in angel season two. There's a wonderful repetition of, the um, Buffy Angel romance between Darla and Angel, but there's a whole mirror theme going on in that season. So it's inverted because, um, you know, Buffy is always trying to save Angel and raise Angel up and Darla is trying to tear him down. But there are a ton of reflected beats, including the scene where uh, Buffy and Angel kiss and Angel gets the cross burn on his chest. Darla burns Angel on the chest with his cross. But the first thing that Darla says 
to Angel after he doesn't lose his soul in Epiphany is Was I Not Good? Which I love that callback oh. to uh, th- this particular scene. But unlike mm. because of the the inversion that uh, they're doing with it in Angel Season 2, which I think is brilliant, um, it's played for comedy uh, in uh, Epiphany because Epiphany is a lighthearted return to form mm. experience for Angel. And here it is just uh, crushing. Yeah. Yeah, I... I have nothing else to say other than yes, it's upsetting. I don't, I don't like watching him talk. I feel like I get, I love Buffy so much, I get protective, and I'm like, don't I fucking feel that talk way to too. her like that. Yeah, yeah, like I'm like, you motherfucker, like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so then we get more of Jenny with her uncle, where he kind of reveals more here, right? Yeah, he kind of is it that he knows, or he just like senses that Angelus is back. One of those, right? I think he knows. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, Jenny's like, and Jenny does get mad at him, right? Like she even says, mm-hmm. like he saved my life. Um, and he's and Stephen, you mentioned the line where she's like, unless he kills her first, Uncle, this is insanity. Like, I do think that very good delivery. Um, mm-hmm. and also every time the uncle's like, we serve justice, we don't serve justice, but vengeance. I'm like, oh, was this a predecessor to vengeance demons? Because I feel. On yeah, Buffy, where's Anya? Right? I, I feel yeah. like on Buffy, there's a lot of things that were like, oh, that was a predecessor to this. Like, they were like, oh, we could do that well. Let's do it bigger. Because um, I always say, like, Dirk Kinderstood is a predecessor to the gentleman because he, like, mm-hmm. floats and is creepy. Um, and, like, someone like Sunday is a predecessor to Glory, where they were like, oh, wait, a villain like that works really well with Buffy. Let's bring her back, but make her bigger. Um, mm-hmm. So I feel like this maybe they were like, I don't know. But so then we cut back to the hallway again. And I do like Willow saying, you have gross emotional problems and things are not okay between <laughs> us. <But> like, <laughs> <laughs> it's very good. Yeah. Um, and then we get our villain reveal, which oh, I yes. fucking think is great. DW yeah. talk on it. I love this so much with them in the hallway. And then suddenly it's just like, Angelus, obviously, in the shadows, his face is is like blocked by dark mm. darkness, and he's just like speaking in such a different cadence. And immediately, it's like the hairs on the back of my neck are up, mm-hmm. and I'm like, "Don't y'all know something is wrong?" <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and he's just like got that real stranger danger vibe to him. Like Willow, mm-hmm. come here with me, and mm-hmm. oh, God, it was like perfect horror notes in this scene. Yes, yes, totally. And Willow's already vulnerable coming from yes. the whole Xander stuff, so. It really, it, it feels awful. Yeah, I, and I, I feel like it's made worse because like they look so young, and it's like, oh, I mean, I don't think I would have thought this before, but like because we see where they go, she looks so young, and especially when he's like gripping her up by the neck, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, this poor child. No, like I love her; she's so sweet and innocent. Don't do anything to her. Um, and DW, you're right. You put. I was just about to say that a lot of the Angela stuff feels like good horror movie stuff. Mm-hmm. And this feels like it could be a horror movie reveal, right? Like he he we know he's dangerous, but they don't know yet. And so yes. we're the ones that are like, shit, no, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. Um, and they're all like they're confused or trying to figure out what to do next. And it's like the perfect opportunity for him to just creep in and like yep. do some major damage. Yep. Yep. Um and I do like that Miss Calendar comes up with the cross and she's like, Willow, get away from him. Like she mm-hmm. knows. Right. And like, again, to her credit, the moment she found out what was happening, she went to them. Like she went to go like, make sure they were okay. 
I mean, they kind of weren't, but <laughs> she <laughs> tries. Um, and this confrontation between Buffy and Angel, this is something that I love. This is one of the reasons, one of the main reasons that I love Buffy so much is like, she's allowed to be flawed. She's allowed to be upset. We like give room for both Buffy and her emotions and Buffy, the like confident superhero. Yes. And she knows when it's like, I'm, I'm fucking upset about this. I'm depressed. I'm going to cry, but I need to go fucking kill that vampire first. Like Mm -hmm. she, that's like a like big reason why Buffy's my hero is that like, she allows herself those emotions, but also like if she needs to, if there's like a job she needs to get done, she's like, okay, let me do that. I will cry after. And that's literally what she does. Right. Mm -hmm. She goes home and cries later on but not till like she's done with you know this plot yes yeah i love that i love that so much too i loved how much space they gave her to be a teenage girl in this moment of like Mm -hmm. dealing with the devastation of her boyfriend rejecting her and turning bad but then also being like i have a duty to do as a slayer and i'm about to rock this and so yeah yeah, i really like that balance in this episode yeah yeah i think it's like just perfect and like the shot of like them in the shadows, but their shadowy faces are silhouettes when he's like, things are about to get interesting is like mm-hmm. oh, so good. I think that's what I love so much about the show and like how I related to it. Like being used, it's so rare to see a superhero character with such vulnerability. And I think she just, I, I've personally like, I've related so much to her at that specific point in my life, but seeing her both of these sides in one episode i mean it was it's just so powerful to see that so then we uh ian where do we go after that (laughs) uh i think that's uh going and getting the rocket launcher because xander has the plan uh needs cordy for it and so it's the army base scene and does looking at guns make you want to have sex i'm 17 looking at linoleum makes me want to have sex (laughs) <laughs> that's a good line i if mm-hmm. can i just pop back for just yeah. a second yeah what i i thought was interesting in that scene in the library where they're making the plan is that he was saying like he needs help willow wants to help he says i need a different kind of help and it just made me think back to surprise where buffy's like you're a hottie and it's like he doesn't even see because in my mind i thought he was going to use cordelia like as a distraction or something like needed the right. hot girl um, cause he tells her to, you know, wear something trashy. Right. And she's right. like wearing quintessential nineties. Er. Yes. Er. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's wearing quintessential nineties mm-hmm. prep. And it's like, how is that trashy? Right. Yeah. Um, but it's like, I, I always thought it was interesting that like, again, he discounts Willow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, that's been a striking thing. Just a small sidebar. That's been a striking thing for me in the rewatch because, um, the Xander, uh, the constant commentary about mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Charisma Carpenter's clothes in Buffy, where uh, she dresses like a tennis instructor or, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, like a political intern. She looks, it's very professional. Uh, yeah. She is the most, she looks like a teacher most of the yeah. time. And and I, I wonder if partly that's because sort of uh larger but it's just bizarre that the writing doesn't reflect the costuming or that the writing is that way at all right um if they're going to pick on that that particular aspect and then when she goes to angel everything is very tight uh midriffy cut off so on and so forth so they change things up it's just weird that that 
dissonance between the script and the the actual execution of the costuming in this is the way it is in Buffy. It's it's strange. Let alone the commentary for Xander never receiving retribution for all of the the right. shaming. Right. Yeah, because when they go to the armory, she's wearing a silver jacket and like a headband and jeans or something, and I'm like, that's trashier. Then right. the, <laughs> the only thing I can think is that bigger bigger clothes are a little de aging, and mm. um, all the actors were considerably older. Than, I mean, not all of them, but Charisma Carpenter was considerably older than um, sixteen, seventeen when the show started, and right. um, that might have been part of it. I, I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. We did um, Isabella Gomez from One Day at a Time came on. And her character in One Day at a Time loved Buffy, so that's why I queried her. Um, and she had done a couple, she did like a live reading of a Buffy script for charity over lockdown. So I was like, oh, cool, she's a Buffy fan. Let me have her on. And her agent was like, well, actually, she's never watched Buffy, but she's willing to watch it for your podcast. So I had her watch the first <laughs> two episodes and then discuss it. But she's, at the time, I think she was like, she was still young. She was like 19 or 20. And she was like, what are with these? None of these people look like teenagers. Like she, yeah. was like, she was like, how old are Cordelia and Xander? Because they look like 25 or 30. And I was like, my heart hurt a little bit, but I was like, oh, well, she's right. And they are yeah. that age. Yeah. That's what, that's a big thing in the nineties, especially with like the high school movies. It's just like, all of these people are not teenagers. They're 20, right. sometimes 30. And yeah, that's just like yeah. a thing that we were expected to like suspend our, dis- our belief on. Right. Yeah. I guess like all of us would be just so used to that. Yeah. That's what, I, that's the thing I, um, I don't know if any of you have watched the show Chucky. No, but that's yeah. the thing I always applaud that show for. Cause like the kids look like kids. And for me, mm-hmm. especially in horror, if the kids look like kids, then I'm more inclined to be like, Oh no, these poor children. Then like, if it's a sexy 25 year old playing 16, I'm not like worried for a child. Cause it's clearly a like 25, right. you know what I mean? Like, yeah, from so, this time period, I think of like 90210. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean, part of the reason, I imagine labor laws being what they are with 22 right. episode seasons, you just can't do it. Mm-hmm. But it also changes the kinds of stories you can write where 90210 was very, uh, it was much more adult oriented in terms of the character arcs. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But I, so Buffy ends up a strange hybrid. Yeah. Yeah. Because I do think they look younger, right? but not that young, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think it was too egregious. <laughs> yeah. she's the, again, she's the same age when she goes to Angel, but the costuming right. is completely different. I mean, if you think about your welcome and right. the, the outfit Cordy has on her last episode ever, and then compare that to anything uh, <laughs> in Buffy, you know, she, everything is super conservative in Buffy and, and the, the constant, you know, uh, I don't think you look like your outfit makes you look like a hooker. Right. Uh, yeah. Shut up. Xander. <laughs> yes. Also that just shut up. Like Xander. Yeah. I mean, it, it, there's a, it, there's a couple of layers to it every time, but uh, uh, including the basic layer of like, huh? <laughs> yeah. uh, speaking of shut up though, I do like that. So then they re reassemble in the library again and like, you know, I, the one thing I think the show does well in this is like, we're not shaming Buffy for having sex, which I'm mm-hmm. glad. I mean, she's already getting enough shame because he turned evil because they fucked. Like, I, I'm glad that we don't have the characters being like, 
oh, you had yeah. sex? Yes. Like, yeah. it's Giles doesn't get it, right? He's not trying to embarrass her. He just doesn't get it. And I love that Willow and Jenny do. And Willow's like, Giles, please shut up. Like, King George Willow is the best Willow. Yes. Uh, yes. Whenever yes. You, you can't have a cup of coffee, you know, whenever she's yelling at adults, uh, it's, it's not a fun. <laughs> yes. But I, I, I do want to – we skipped over um, – Oz's van scene, which I know we mentioned a little oh, bit that's earlier. Next. That's next. Then they leave. Oh, okay, for the, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, uh, I'll hold my time. So yeah, we get blah, blah, blah. More, a little bit more of a spike in Drew, you know, Oh, you didn't kill her. And Drusilla's like, he doesn't want to kill her. He wants to hurt her. Um, Angela says the this girl, you have to love her, which doesn't make any sense, but sure. Um, <laughs> but then we see Buffy crying over her clotted ring, which always upsets me. She gets, has mm-hmm. another dream. So season two is season two and three are like pretty terrible at this. Um, and again, Steven, you've worked on a show, so maybe I'm just being nippity, but like the timeline of things is always a little weird where it's like, how many days have passed? Because <laughs> like they're making that plan to go to the military base. Buffy goes home. Buffy goes back to school because she had the dream about Miss Calendar, attacks Miss Calendar, and then we are at the military base mm-hmm. and it is nighttime. <laughs> it probably got re edited. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. probably like, because in What's My Line, Xander and Cordelia technically are in Buffy's house for like two days because like other days go by. <laughs> um, so I don't know. But so we get, uh, she does, she has her dream about Miss Calendar and she goes right up to her in the oh computer Oh, God. Class. Are we... Yeah. Okay, finally, the scene I've been waiting to talk about this <laughs> talk about entire it, time. Oh, my God. Well, she busts into the computer lab and ch- chokes Jenny Calendar <laughs> in front of the class. But it is this... It is somehow maybe, like, the hottest scene. I know Buffy and Angel just had sex in, like, the previous episode. <laughs> but, like... But the way Jenny Calendar's, like, back bends over the, over the table and, like, Buffy... <laughs> powers down on top of her. I mean, I I needed to like open a window after that. (laughs) (laughs) And like, I feel bad for Miss Calendar because once again, she like didn't fully know. Right. But like kind of like I it's like I understand why Buffy's fucking pissed at her. Right. Like I do. I would probably also be pissed because she didn't tell her fully everything. But like... I don't know. I'm like, I just, I feel bad for her, which is when Giles is like fully on her side and is like, Buffy, you can't accuse people. And Miss Calendar is like, I didn't know everything. And that's oh. when like Giles is like, ooh. And that's kind of when he like pulls mm-hmm. back from her Turns until her, she's, yeah. yeah. Um, also, go Giles. All <laughs> yes. of the backing Buffy's, she said, get out. Yeah. Yes, uh, is wonderful. And oh. the way Anthony Stewart had plays, the, yeah, but how do you know that you, Oh, yeah, you yep. know he, the way Anthony plays his uh, realization with no lines, mm-hmm. just the reflection in his eyes, and all of that is wonderful. It is such a uh, a beautiful sequence. Yeah. So then next we get the military base where Xander's plan revolves around the fact that he's the only one that seemed to have kept some knowledge from Halloween <laughs> shenanigans. Because, <laughs> like, we even talked about this in our "What's My Line" recording, like. The first evil should have been able to be Willow, technically, because she did die. Like, she was dead for a day. And I don't know. I don't love that Xander, this comes and goes sometimes. Um, (laughs) But, like, we're so close to that episode that I'm fine with it. Like, whatever. Um, And I do do like everyone in this scene. Like, I I think Charisma Carpenter's doing really good. 
like Cordelia works because it's like she doesn't know what the plan is. So when she's like, I'm not a soldier, right? And like, then the soldier just thinks, oh, this is some dumb girl that this guy's bringing to make out with. But the big part of this is we get the Oz and Willow yes. band scene. Um, mm-hmm. Ian, do you want to talk about that? <laughs> so the the scene was written specifically because they had brought, uh, this is according to the commentary track, they had brought Oz in to be a romantic interest for Willow and the fans weren't taking to him. Mm. And so Whedon wrote the scene specifically to um, lift up Oz as a romantic interest. And I think it's so gorgeous. It is so, and, and credit where credit's due a part of uh, what sells it, I think is Alice, Alison Hannigan's mm-hmm. face mm-hmm. after, uh Oz says what he says. Her tension is gone. Mm-hmm. The anxiety is gone. Thinking about Xander is gone. She is moved. She is playing moved beautifully uh in that uh in her it, reflection of what he just said. But I think about this scene about 20 times while I'm watching Buffy <laughs> and Angel because there are so many terrible (laughs) lines from guys trying to date Buffy in the show. And I just wanted to share, we we watched one last night and it came to mind because we were going to have this discussion and I immediately brought up Oz in the van. How did they do that? But then Riley says, it's because you haven't had a good experience yet. You can have the best time in a car. It's not about getting somewhere. You have to take your time. Forget about everything. Just... Relax. <laughs> let it wash over you. The air, motion. Just let it roll. How does that exist oh. in a universe with? <laughs> I know uh, it's okay. I can wait. the 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 emotional maturity, the the brilliance of it. There's so many. Parker has terrible lines. Scott Hope has it. It begins with coffee. In conversation, we all know this. Maybe a cup of coffee, or maybe at the Buster Keaton Festival playing on stage <laughs> this weekend. <laughs> Keaton is key. Oh, <laughs> like the, I, I don't understand how the Oz scene exists, and maybe it is that magic combination of Seth Green's performance and Oz's emotional maturity and the writing. But I think that in general, on Buffy, the only other. Uh, conversation that i can think of that hits me and is as beautiful and and emotionally resonant like i feel myself in that scene i feel relationships that i have had and that's the relate that's the thing you're looking for that's i think that's the thing that brings us back to the show mm-hmm. is all the way in season seven when spike says it's not about me uh, i'd love what you are how you try you know, like when when Spike exp- expresses unselfish love for the first time in his existence to Buffy, it's not about me. Um, those two two conversations are the only like, I mean, Tara and Willow have a couple, so I guess the only straight con- uh, <laughs> relationship uh, conversation conversations about love that don't just make me die a little bit inside. <laughs> fair, that's fair. <laughs> like this is it, i i'm sorry about the rant i'll stop now but like this this scene is 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 just one i revisit in my head all the time because it is so beautiful and because so many are yes. not 
uh, later on. That is fair. That is fair. (laughs) 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 And I, I do like, I was like, man, if a guy said this to me, like that would be the best way to be turned down. And I would be even more into him. Exactly. Right. (laughs) Like immediately turned on. Like, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I would be melting. Seduce me with your rejection. (laughs) (laughs) I've never been like so horny for a rejection before. (laughs) (laughs) But so, yeah, I, I just love this scene and it tells us who Oz is and that's what we get, right? Like when they're dating, he is that guy. The only yeah. time he's not that guy is when it comes back and he like turns on a werewolf and gets like jealous over Tara. Yeah, I think that he that's why they I don't know. That's that's why I love Oz so much. Um, and this is a very good example of why if we only needed one scene, it would be this scene. So they get what they're going for. We know it's the rocket launcher. And this is a thing that Buffy does often where it's like, we're not going to show you what the thing is. But when when we get there, we're going to show you. But we're going to show them preparing. Almost mm-hmm. like Buffy's speech in Chosen, like right? Like the finale, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, it always works for me. That's like a, a storytelling trope that always works for me. You know, we get the, like, Miss Calendar comes in and she's like, can I help? And they're like, get out. She said, get out. Um, and I do feel bad for her, but also I understand. And then they go to this mall slash movie theater. <laughs> 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 Which, like, because, okay, so it's... I. It looks like a concession stand, but then like later when Oz is like arm, there's like a rack of clothing next to like the concession stand. And it's like, what the fuck is this? Like, I don't understand. Um, but I think but this le- was just bad. Like they right, just yeah. didn't know what to do. They just threw it all in one room and were like, we're going to make it work. <laughs> yeah. Well, like a bunch of shit that they found in costuming and we're just like, great, yeah. use all this. It's fine. Um, because like, I do love this. I love that. Like they go to the warehouse. There's no one there. The bronze is closed. Oz is like, well, if I were going to line up to get killed, I know where I'd go. And they go like the confident walk with carrying the bazooka in the case, the like, Mm -hmm. all of it. We get the judge. He comes in, he like zaps one guy. And then like, it leads to a lot of other people. Drusilla and Angelus are watching. Then he gets shot with an arrow. And uh, Steven, what, what, what happens then? Oh, man. Okay, well, we get that incredible shot that pans up to Buffy with the crossbow, of yes. course, iconic. And then she blows his brains out with the <laughs> rocket launcher, and it's iconic. It's so good. Also, I would just love to point out um, Drusilla's jump. Is <laughs> She just looks so frantic and scared. I, lo- I loved it. It was, uh, it was one of those special moments of the show. Uh, the delivery of no forward, no weapon forward shouldn't stop me. And she's like, that was then. Oh, yeah, right. This is now. It's just... Yeah. Love that line. Love Ugh, it. So good. Love it. Lives rent-free in my brain. <laughs> right? Yeah, like, I think about that so often. And, like, her, the, again, back to, like, Buffy, like, she's able to be upset, but she's, like, she's fucking pissed. And, like, you see that on her face. Like, the, like, anger of, like, I'm gonna blow this motherfucker up. Like, yeah. she's like, mm-hmm. I'm doing this because I... That is like that's the problem one of like eighty five that I need to deal with right now. So like yeah. let's get this one out of the way. And oof, I just I I think about her saying that often, and it was definitely worn out on the VHS tapes that I have. Like I just <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, and it's it works as like a cool superhero moment. It works uh-huh. as like a storytelling moment of like her confidence coming back. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I just. 
And I love his little like head tilt. What's yes. that? And then yeah, boom. <laughs> so good. It's so good. She gets to watch Angel squirm after all that. Yes. It's such a yes. it's such a good turn in her yes. as a character. Like she's she's also surrounded by friends. You know, it's obviously the metaphor of like your you know, you get through this kind of stuff with your family. Like it, it it's right. so great. I love yes. it. Also, there's that like poof of smoke on the ceiling. I've always wondered about like what, do you remember that it was a very out of yes. character shot yes. for the show. Uh-huh. And I was like, did they really explode something in that mall? And like, that was the air that was in the room with all of those people. That seems really unsafe. <laughs> yeah. Especially because like, if it were like not real smoke, it would look super fake. So it like mm-hmm. is smoke. Yeah. But yeah, and I did read that they're like they filmed this at where is it? They filmed it Multiplex set was in a closed Robin's May department store on yes. South Grand Avenue in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um but yeah, I don't know. Uh Ian, I'm I'm sure you feel the same way, right? This is a very good moment. Oh yeah. Yeah, flawless. <laughs> I mean like the um yeah, judge aside the 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 bits with uh Angel and uh, Drew are wonderful. Drew sort of uh, running off the face off under the the water is gorgeous, yeah. which you know is I, in my head now is a weird continuation of the rain mm-hmm, from the right? end of surprise. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. something going on there for sure. Like she gets to be out in the rain with mm-hmm. him. Um, yeah, and and then always the juxtaposition of humor and and drama, but without one undercutting the other. It is. It is what's unique uh, about the show. Mm-hmm. Like I said, there's uh, it's easy to pigeonhole mutant enemy writing style, but there's all, everything else feels like a little bit of a lesser version that I that that when that term is used as a pejorative uh, to me because it is such a um, a balancing act. It's such a wonderful mm-hmm. dance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so she yeah she has our fight with him in the water like, sprinklers. Yes. Like, Yes, I have, a, I have a note here that says they re- water sprinklers. They really pulled out all the stops. They were like, <laughs> "We're gonna make this episode wet." <laughs> <laughs> and like, even the way she like pulls out her steak, I think is like iconic. Oh. Like, I think of that shot where she's like, because like the way her body moves is she is really angry, and like mm-hmm. it shows. And then I love, you know. When I watched this when I was younger, it was like, oh, that's dumb. She should have killed him. But like, mm-hmm. as an adult, you're like, yes, emotionally, she would not be ready to kill yeah, him. Yeah. She's yeah. There yeah. Um, and I, I love that she knows that. I love that she fucking kicks him in the crotch and is mm-hmm. like, give me time. Mm-hmm. Like, she can't, she can't bring herself to kill him, but she's going to humiliate him in this fucking rain. And I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I then, love wearing her cross again. Yes. Yes, yeah. she is. Also, this was a successful example of product placement because I totally watched the movie Quest for Camelot because <laughs> there were posters everywhere uh, I, behind them. It is, it is only that movie, right? Like, I don't think there's yeah. another real movie poster. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so we, uh, oh, DW, did you have something to say about this scene? Oh, no. Well, the only thing I want to say is I love that, like, the buildup of, of Angelus being this really big, bad vampire. But then even when he's, like, beating her down, she gives it as good as she gets yes. this scene. I just she love does. that. Yes. Um, so then she leaves Angel, and we cut to Giles dropping her off at oh. the house. Oh. And this oh. is, yeah, hands down, my favorite Buffy Giles moment of the entire Absolutely. series yeah. is this. Like, fuck. I just... I, the, 
the the writing of Giles, <laughs> it's bananas that Joss Whedon created Giles. Just Giles is like, he's such a good, he's like one of the only, me- again, it's like him, then Oz, end of list. That like, yeah. he is never going to shame Buffy. Even I, even in season seven, I can understand why he wants to get rid of Spike. Even like, that's a mm. shitty thing he does to her. But even then I'm like, I can see his point of view. Spike did sexually assault her. She is yes. like, we're spending too much time on Spike, even plot wise. So like, I get it. But also I get why she was fucking mad at him for that. But like, other than that, I don't think Giles, you know, and helpless. I, I do have, there are folks that have cited helpless as why they hate Giles. But for me, that's still <gasps> early on. And he does, it's like, he's doing his job and he feels bad and he turns around, right? Like he does. Well, he's allowed, he's allowed to have yeah. flaws. Yeah, I mean, totally. the, the, like one of the things that is beautiful in, uh, about the show is that the characters change over yes. time. Yeah. We saw that uh, Willow in her romantic partners changes, grows, um, understands herself, you know, and becomes someone different. You're not the same person that you were before. And I always read that scene in season seven where Giles has had this crisis of in season four of who am I, if I'm not a watcher, who am I, if I'm not Buffy's watcher, uh, so on and so forth of him trying to, of his flaws, raising their head and him trying to reclaim uh, his identity. I love the scene in helpless because or I love helpless because it shows Giles is yes. flawed and he makes a mistake Absolutely. and atones for yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Um, your characters have to make mistakes. Yeah. They yeah. can't be yeah. perfect. Helpless besides like the obvious um, best episodes of the show. Helpless is my, my favorite uh, for a lot of reasons. You know, it's, I think it's one of the best horror episodes of the yeah. show. Like yes. so yeah. truly scary. That room of, polaroids of joyce oh my god so scary but i think it's story i think the story of fatherhood which is just always a story that really resonates for me um really comes through in that episode just of course like as you said like giles having flaws but he he has a he has a turn and a realization that this institution that he's a part of is harming buffy and he betrays them to protect his his child you know his, his, the yeah and uh yeah i that that is i think one of my favorite parts of his um but i think there's a really nice parallel between that final scene in innocence and and helpless yeah yeah i would agree with that and like another thing that i like about their relationship is you know he has her back throughout these two episodes you know what i mean and he doesn't they don't stop they don't like have her like thank him or give him a hug. Mm-hmm. She's she's going through it and she's just crying because Giles is giving her room to be like, hey, you didn't do anything wrong. I need this is a guy you loved and you didn't know that this would happen. Like whatever. I, and what is it that he specifically says? Like he's like, if you're coming to me for, I wish I wrote it down. It's um, I, if it's guilt you're looking for, Buffy, I'm yes, not your man. Yes. Ugh. The only thing you'll get from me is my support and my respect. Yes. Oh God, I can cry just hearing you say that. <laughs> it's incredible. It's such a. It's the line that like every child should hear. Yeah, <laughs> right. Think, yes. you know? Yeah. Everyone wants. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love you too. As a, <laughs> yeah. as a as a card carrying uh, person with daddy issues, <laughs> that well, that one ticked a box on yeah. the card. Uh, I'm right that there hit with me right you. In the heart. Yes. I'm right there with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so she goes and I I really I the thing that 
I, I do like that they don't hug. I like that she's like, yeah. because we forget that she's a kid, right? She's just this upset teenager and she has every reason to be upset. So she just kind of like, you know, goes into the house, sits with Joyce and we get the moment of like, I'll just let it burn. And Joyce I is like, that scene too. what did you do? And she's like, I got older. Mm-hmm. And then we see the like I'm black like- and white. We hear the black and white film playing Ian. Unlike Giles, that is, uh, that's a wonderful scene that I wish we had many more mm-hmm. of because it's one of the rare moments of genuine intimacy yeah, and yeah. compassion between her and Joyce. Yeah. Joyce is so often written as um, Lonnie calls it on uh, Chipperish a conflict vending machine, <laughs> where she's just sort of there to dispense, uh, uh, you know, groundings and. You don't dis. I don't want to be disappointed again, and yeah. all of that. Um, and uh, especially when it comes later in the show, uh, around season five, for reasons we don't need to get into. Um, I wish that more of those moments existed yeah. because it, uh, it's nice to see genuine affection between the two of yes. them. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, and you know, it's funny because my. My mom doesn't, my mom's like one of those people where she'll like watch shows and like if a Buffy rerun, like Fuse plays Buffy rerun. So she'll watch them when they're on, but she's not like a rewatcher. Like she won't like do a rewatch of a show, but like the thing she, the like the weird stuff that she does remember from Buffy. One of the things that she, it's like, she loves Cordelia and Spike and she hates Buffy's mom. Like she like, and it's because of that. Like she's always like, she was always antagonistic with her. She didn't support her as a slayer. Like my mom you bring up Buffy and you even say peep about Joyce and she'll be like, I hate that woman. Cause like my mom gets really mad that like, and I think it's that Ian, it's that you're right. It's Lonnie's right. It's like, she's more of just like lots of times she's there to create a conflict. Yeah. The, the only character building bits I can think of for Joyce are band candy where she is so yes. adorable. Oh, so she's so adorable. <laughs> uh, uh, her flirting with an interest in Giles, uh, it, just getting to see a, softer more vulnerable and human side of her so we can connect with her as a character um and the other one i love is pat Uh, (laughs) people people hate pat uh i i the the way i describe that kind of character is a poison juice box (laughs) uh kathy from living conditions is another one where they are so so sweet that they are toxic (laughs) um but that she exists that pat and Right, uh, Lonnie's sure that that um, uh, Joyce and Pat made out <laughs> lot after of, too many shots. A lot of people have said that. Point. Yes, a lot of people on Twitter have said that to me. <laughs> yeah, your mother just read deep into the ocean, and oh, well, she was just a mess. So <laughs> it's good that you're back. Um, but there's not enough of that because Joyce is so pre- uh, present. Yeah. You know, Giles is more integrated into the stories, so he develops alongside of everyone else. Um, but Joyce, I, I just wish Joyce had, had more of those moments because the end of uh, uh, Innocence is a really n- warm, yes. melancholy moment. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I'd agree. Um, well, right, Joyce well, is the parent, but Joyce is the parent. I'm actually more forgiving about Joyce because she represents the parent who's really on the outside of yeah. her child's life. And I feel like that is I, my, my final note on the episode is just parenting is hard and that's that's how yeah. i really feel about joyce like the way she looks at buffy the way she she knows it seemed i read it as like she knows she can't really ask the questions that she needs to without like upsetting her right now so she's just, mm-hmm. just gonna like sit with her pain and 
and like be there for her. And I just, I, I thought that I agree. Like, I think that's a beautiful scene, but yeah. I'm, I'm a little more uh, patient with Joyce's growth. <laughs> <laughs> so now that we are at the end, uh, favorite scene, DW. Um, in surprise, it's definitely the surprise party at the bronze. <laughs> and then in innocence, of course, it's the rocket launcher scene. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Steven. There's a lot. <laughs> I think my favorite scene, okay, my favorite scene out of both episodes is Jenny Callender getting choked on the desk. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> uh, Ian? Favorite scene in the first one is anything with Oz in it. Um, yeah, hey, did anyone just else see that guy turn to dust? So I guess the party. Um, and Innocence has got to be the van scene with Oz. Uh I love us. Yeah. I'm I'm my favorite scene is the bazooka just cuz like that's one of oh, my yeah. favorite scenes of the whole series. Um I don't think Teen Me found anything as empowering as that scene. Like yeah. I just I it was everything to me. Um favorite outfit uh Steven? Okay. This is where I have uh, it's way too many options to pick from. I <laughs> I like Okay, so I'm torn between the first outfit that she wears the white coat with the black mini skirt and the the knee-high white boots so good like what an amazing look but then i'm I'm quite fond of the giraffe printed pants that she wears um that that travel into innocence as she like wakes up and comes home the next morning um those are those are big ones but i think also like i'll just i want to shout out to drusilla's like like regular Drusilla red lace bodice look. Uh, I think her outfit is like one of my favorites throughout the season, but, um, but more, I was really disappointed in innocence when she didn't wear that, like um, mink fur collar coat that she wears. I think like later in the season, Um, I was like, (laughs) where is it? Yeah, becoming. I was like, what the hell? Um, I was really disappointed because that sweater she wore over that, that red dress was terrible. Anyway. <laughs> uh, DW? Yeah, we had the like, same exact choices. I loved that <laughs> opening scene with the mini skirt option. I felt like it was quintessential 90s chic. Yeah. Um, also the pants. And I loved Drusilla in Innocence um, at the mall where she's wearing like the red corset and the red skirt, even though it's kind of blocked from the coat. But I love that the coat had like red stars mm-hmm. or flowers on it that really matched and her pumps perfect (laughs) (laughs) i imagine it's not hard to make that jump in those pumps (laughs) uh ian uh yeah drew in the red top thingy uh the thing i always uh, the the thing that's very uh unique about juliet landau's performance is it's also part of drew's identity is in how she moves yeah she's incredibly physical the thing i'm reminded and her vampire makeup looks different than everyone else's it does Mm-hmm. Um, when it's much more, she looks more like a viper mm. and kind of in that note, the, the way she moves is, and I don't mean this in a negative term, I mean, in sort of its elegance, she's kind of slithers sort of just, uh, you know, weaves in and out of a room, weaves back and forth and, and, the the red top really goes along with it. And in a sense, the only one I could remember was, uh, Cordy's silver surfer jacket. <laughs> disco ball, super reflective jacket, uh, stands out to me because again, she's so hurt. It, it's, she's so preppy. She, like her, her outfits in, uh, uh, Buffy are so conservative. Yeah. Um, 
that that jacket stood out. Yeah, to me. Um, I mine is just I I love Drusilla's like it's not a corset, but the red yeah the red top with like the darker red blackish uh, dress skirt. Um, I like that outfit. I think it's one of Drusilla's iconic outfits. But also, Stephen DW, you mentioned Buffy with like the giraffe. Oh, print yeah. pants and the pink i think that's cute um what grade do we give this episode i give it an a plus uh ian what grade do you give it did you give both of them a plus i i i'm grading them as a whole so i give oh, them an a okay. Plus. okay yeah, <laughs> yeah be, because of their their very different flavors i i think i'd give surprise a b plus and innocence an a plus all right uh steven i give surprise an a and innocence an a plus dw um, I'll grade him as a whole, A minus, because surprise yeah. was like a B for me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's fair. Um, well, thank you all for joining me. Uh, thank you, Ian, for co-hosting your first non-angel episode with me. But of um, course. And if you all like SlayerFest98, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can subscribe to our Patreon. Any and all support is much appreciated. I just changed up the tiers. We're going through Harley Quinn Season 3 over there. Um, I've added live watches. And uh, if you want to follow us on social, we are at SlayerFestX98. If you want to follow me, I'm at DW. Where can everyone find you? Twitter and Instagram, the DW McKinney. And Stephen, where can everyone find you? Um, I am not Stephen Dunn on everything. And Ian, where can everyone find you? I talk about Buffy and Angel on YouTube at youtube.com slash passionofthenerd. And uh, thank you all for joining me. I feel like this was like, I'm so glad I had all three of you because this is like a very important, iconic episode of the show. And yeah, I was glad to talk. This was a really fun conversation. We will see you all next time. Bye. Bye.